Welcome to the We Should Record This podcast, conversations around deconstructing, rebuilding, and finding home in our faith and life together. We're glad you've joined us. Welcome to episode four of our In the Beginning series. In this episode, we're discussing how God is so much bigger, bigger than our fears, bigger than our experiences, bigger than our culture. And we want to talk about moments where we've broken through from that fear into freedom. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to We Should Record This. I'm Karina here with Nicole. We are on episode four of our In the Beginning series. We hope that you've enjoyed it so far. Um, This morning, we are kind of coming back to a topic that we started in one of our 10 talks uh, that I think the 10 talk was called Full Spectrum God. And it, um, it's, it came out of, um, there's a, the message translation in Matthew 5, it, it talks about, um, it's, it's the classic, the, the light on the lampstand and hiding it, but the way that it talks about it in, in the message translation, it just, it talks about you're here to be a light bringing out all of the God colors, or before that it talks about all of the God flavors. And and it talks about by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, who is this generous father in heaven. And both Nicole and I just really kind of loved that version just because of the, the idea of all the God colors and all the God flavors and the full expression of God. And so we just wanted to spend a little time kind of unpacking how our understanding of what the fullness of God means for us. I think, you know, like we, we all grow up with our ideas of what God is like and how God is and what that means. So, um, Nicole, cause this is how we do this. Why don't you tell us what that, that idea of full spectrum God means to you? I think, <laughs> I think it is really an exercise in taking the blinders off and looking beyond what my own personal experience and expression is and has always been and understand that, that people know and experience God in a variety of contexts and ways. And just because they may know God differently than I do doesn't mean one of us is wrong. And I think that when you grow up in a context and a church culture that is so invested in righteousness and the right way and the Mm. set of rules and guidelines that you need to adhere to in order to be in the right way, you lose such huge chunks of who God is because the right way is only determined by those who have that same experience. And that's not the way of Jesus. And that's not who, who God is and how he intended to be perceived. And for me, a lot of that came into a head a few years ago. I mean, it's been a slow, like Mm -hmm. growing avalanche over years. Um, And in a lot of different ways, like confronting patriarchy and, and living out um, even just different expressions of worship. I mean, I went to a church, I grew up in a church that didn't replace the offering buckets 
for years because people couldn't decide whether they should be basic so that we don't look greedy or whether they should be ornate to honor the offering that's coming in. So they were recycled sour cream containers for years. <laughs> so that's like, you know, that that's the fear of doing things wrong. So we don't do anything at all and we get stuck. And that's where I feel like um, my own faith journey has diverged mm-hmm. and broadened because I don't think that the way to experience God is so narrow. For instance, like I said, a few years ago, I um, started really digging into what it means to be Métis. That's my family heritage. And um, there's a whole lot of political and colonial reasons why we didn't um, self-identify in a more full way. Yeah. But for me, understanding what that means and what it meant to generations before me has been really vital to my my faith journey and understanding that things that I was told as a kid were bad actually aren't bad. They're just different. And part of that is um, I grew up hearing a lot about how Indigenous spiritualism mm-hmm. is akin to devil worshipping. So much so that I was so afraid to take any interest in any anything to do with indigenous folklore or whatever that I used to take books at the library at school and hide them like books about myths and legends and um, books of indigenous art and I my parents never specifically said anything against it but I was so afraid from what I heard from churchy people that I didn't I was drawn to these things but I didn't want people to know that I might be going to hell because I have an art book with indigenous people in it and so um Healing away some of those layers has been awkward and difficult and challenging, but along the way, I have seen God in a much fuller context. And I think the big breaking point for me was I went to um, Crazy Horse Monument in the States and walking down the hallway towards the sculptor's um, studio, he was not First Nations, but he had received prayers and gifts and encouragement from indigenous leaders from that area and reading the prayers that they sent to this man i recognize that the words may be different but they are praying to the same god their expression of god is so full and so generous and so literally colorful as i look at these artworks that how could they not be praying to the same creator and and god that i believed in once that began to break open some of these things and reveal god in a much broader sense than i had experienced growing up Wow. Yeah. I love hearing you talk about that journey there. It's just, it's taught me so much and it's impacted me so much because you're doing it with such tender care. Like, like it is part of your story and your history. So it, it, um, it's not, it's not like a novelty, but I just see how it impacts your faith. And then that impacts mine. You know, like I think when, when we when we're brave to take journeys to go, God, how big are you? Like is, I find it so fascinating that in the Bible, I love it that first of all, it's a woman who was the first one to name God, right? But like God reveals God's self as I am, 
period. <laughs> but then we see all throughout the Bible, people being allowed to name God based on their experience. And I think it's wonderful when we can have a time when, when God gets big enough that if in your, in, in like Métis or Indigenous culture, it's referred to as creator, or I don't even know all the ways that, that the ultimate source of life and reality is, is named there. But at first it would be like, well, you know, like a long time, a long time ago, it would have, it, I would have had such discomfort with like, no, don't call it creator, call it God, call it whatever. Um, but isn't it interesting that what we have throughout the Bible is people being given permission to name God based on their experiences with God before they even had always a full revelation that it was God. Like that, wow, what, what a big God that is. Like, and, and so when did we make up the rules that we couldn't continue that practice? Right. Like, that's when we began limiting our understanding of God. It's when we stopped letting everybody call out to God or creator or whatever in the way that is most relevant. When I went to the, to, I went to private Christian school, we had to memorize all the names of God in the Bible and all what they meant in the Hebrew and whatever. I'm like, well, that, like that became an exercise in like torture for most of us because I think we're great guys. <laughs> But going back, I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. But why did that become a study rather than practice? Yes. Wow. That is such a great thought. Like, what, what would it be like to say, God, who are you revealing yourself to be to me right now? Um, that I, would, I wonder, what, like, what are people experiencing? I, I think for me... I would be like, right now I'm discovering the God who is more and I'm discovering the God who is fun. And that is certainly not what I grew up with. It's not that God was like, well, it depends if, if you're going to think that God is angry and likes to destroy people, then maybe that, that is God who is bad. But I, I don't mean bad is the opposite of fun. I mean that is always so dang serious about everything and and then you start having these revelations you start learning in your study of the bible or reading the bible that like there's actually a lot of sarcasm in the bible and there's quite a bit of like double intent humor stuff going on and and i just think you're you've got a good sense of humor like what what is it and what is it like to have a god who delights in our fun who's just like that is part of our becoming whole that's the part of our holiness is that we enjoy things we have fun so those like that's some of the things the ways that i would want to name god right now do i have permission to do that and do i have permission to to see that god is not limited to my Christian church experience. 
I'm hearing this whoosh whoosh sound in the background with the microphones right now and I'm like wishing I knew what that was all about but anyway we're just gonna leave it just imagine we're by the ocean if you're hearing a whooshing sound let's say we're doing this in Hawaii anyway um <laughs> this is what happens when you get a highly distractible person doing a podcast but anyways that that's some of the, the, the things that I would, how I would want to name God, how I would want to say I'm experiencing God right now. And I'm in, in, when I talk about the God who is more, I felt like there was an invitation from God this year to go to places and practices that, that I would have thought could not have God in them. And kind of God invited me to like, okay, take me by the hand and let's go do yoga and let's find out because if I'm afraid of it, I'm already deceived. Like, I think there's a lot of things that we will want to, we, we've been told, like, I remember when my kid, like when my older kids were in elementary school and there was an indigenous day thing that happened there. And I was so terrified because I found about it afterwards, which, you know, poor communication on the school's part. But in that, at that time, I had no context for believing that there could be anything except for like evil spirits associated with that. And as I have gotten to interact with more indigenous people and even in my friendship with you, I just feel like I am so sorry for the limited view that I had of God and the way that I judged other cultural experiences of God and I don't even think that that actually, in, in terms of the thing that happened at my kid's school, I don't even know that it was, uh, it, was a, it was a public school. I don't think that it was a spiritual experience at all. It's just that I had so much fear from my religious context that that was all I could imagine. And I have just been so grateful to really be taken to task on my prejudice and my internalized stories that had no 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 business being there except for that I'd been told to be afraid of anything that didn't look like what I understood to be God and I think that that goes everything from if you're in a more uh, conservative context you learn to be afraid of really um, charismatic expressions like people that are speaking in tongues and raising their hands and maybe having like these really crazy embodied experiences of Holy Spirit. And you learn just to judge that because we don't understand it. And it extends all the way to other expressions where I think God is genuinely reaching and moving to connect with people. He's not only trying to connect with white conservative evangelicals and what i know right so sometimes i think we get so afraid and i think that it might be a really good practice for when we're fearful to just go again hold the phone if i'm already afraid i'm already deceived and i will misinterpret everything that i hear because i'm coming in a spirit of fear and so what has that looked like for you? Is, has there been places where you've once approached something with fear and then you were able to come at it 
with the confidence of love and have a completely different experience? Well, that, that is everything. Like every step of this faith journey that I've been on for 43 years has looked like that because I agree. I think, I think that when we make decisions based on fear, we are limiting ourselves and we're limiting God in what is possible. Fear is meant to keep us contained. Yeah. It is. There is no freedom in fear. There is no, like, there is no life in fear. And so there are times when you have to look at what is making you afraid and you have to check, like, okay, is this a legitimate thing that I should not be engaging in and why so? Or is this something that I'm freaked out about because of the boogeyman I was warned about? A vague idea of something bad happening. Like, you need to be in sync with Holy Spirit enough that you can sort some of that stuff out. And it's even okay if you move towards a thing and then you realize, oh, actually, this is not something I should be involved in. And then you back out. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's actually preferable to say no than say no to everything. And I think there have been times where I can think of some very specific times where I had such release from freedom like release from fear in a moment yeah that it um it was just super profound like the weekend that we met we were at this retreat and it was the first time i heard an indigenous hand drum being used in a church context it was and beautiful. yeah i remember that too that was the first for me too i showed up there like a hot mess because i was already wrestling with all of these things and so many things in my in my spiritual life and in my church life, we're all like, and in my everyday life, we're just such a tangled web of tension that I remember standing there and I remember Melanie starting to drum and I just broke. Like mm -hmm. I'm standing in this circle with like 99 strangers and I didn't want to be the one like sobbing chick in the middle of it, but I look up and there were 99 sobbing women Absolutely. in the circle because there was a release from fear for each one of us yeah as we heard melanie begin to sing in her indigenous language and play that drum she was worshiping in a context none of us had experienced before but it broke through a wall of freedom or a wall of fear into freedom yeah and i think that it's it was those types of moments where i'm like oh Holy smokes, yes. And I've heard other Indigenous leaders talk since then and talk about how, and really now it seems silly that I'd be afraid of a hand drum. And um, like Terry LeBlanc and Collingwood are two of the people who make jokes about maybe we'd be more comfortable if we stamped our hand drums with Yamaha and, you know, played <laughs> off beat. Maybe that would make us feel more comfortable in the church context. Um, because it really is an instrument and it really is meant to worship. And the hand drum that our indigenous elders play are no different than the drums that of the old testament that they were told to bang on to bring worship and enter right. and to bring forth freedom and yet somehow we've determined that a mass-produced commercial drum kit is holier than a handmade drum that is like I wish I had time to teach you and to tell you what I've learned about what it takes to make 
an indigenous hand drum, the intention and the respect and the honoring that goes into mm-hmm. collecting the wood and and tanning hide and respecting the animals and the plant life and the creator who gave us all of those things. Yeah. It is one of the most profoundly holy things I've ever learned is the respect for creator and the creation and our ability to in reciprocity learn from each other and give to each other and honor each other. And somehow I was told as a kid that that conjures evil. There's nothing but goodness there. And when we push past all of those fears, what we get is this, the doors blown wide open on who we know God to be. And I think that um, when we operate, like I said, when we operate only from our own context, we miss the truth of how God meets us where we are and how we will see him most evidently. But then he invites us to move into other areas. And I know um, from talking with you, you've experienced your own breakthrough moments when it comes to the context of being a woman in the church and how you've had to push past fear Mm -hmm. and kind of become a gladiator in your own world of like reclaiming your space, your God-given, God-designed space and voice in some of these contexts. So can you tell us about that a bit? Well, I think, um, you know, sometimes I, I have felt like I, I shouldn't talk about this part yet because I still don't even have it fully figured out. And, and I think, and yet at the same time I go, well, that's exactly why I have to start talking about this. You could call it a lifelong journey as far as awareness goes, maybe the last five, six years trying to understand my place, my role, my permission that I have to be me in a church context um, has really, it, I think what makes it difficult to talk about is that it didn't ever happen that when I was growing up, somebody specifically said to me, women should not lead. But the obvious and, and implicit messages were abundant because they didn't. And, and they weren't on committees and they didn't have ideas and they weren't part of the elder board because we all have space that we're meant to take up and that being small and silent so that somebody can feel more secure in their position and their singular way of thinking is just such a small gospel and such a small God. And I just have no interest in perpetuating that anymore. The, the bigger I let God be, the more impossibly bigger he gets. And so in that, which is really good news because when you've spent most of your life feeling like you're too big and you're too much and you're too passionate and your ideas don't belong here in the place where God lives, um, that's hard. And, and you, I, I saw a picture, my father-in-law was uploading all like old pictures into Google photos. So I get these notifications of like, these pictures have been added because I'm a horrible picture taker. And I'm so thankful for people like my father-in-law who is an obsessive picture taker because 
my family will have a documentation of our lives here on this earth, thankfully for him and people like my sister, who's a photographer and everything like that. Anyways, it was a picture of Josh and I when we were dating. So I'm like 16 years old. And I just looked at that girl and I just thought, that girl just thinks there's only problems with her because she's not a Proverbs 31 woman the way that it was taught. She's not, I don't know how we read Proverbs 31 with this woman who's like doing business and planning things and being strategic and standing at the gates and taking care of her home, her kids, like this woman that's doing all these things. And it somehow translated internally in me because I think of experience of like, you're a lot, you should be quieter and you should not talk because it's too much for us. We don't know what to do with the way you experience God and the way that you're thinking about things. And even um, like to bring ideas into something, it was sort of like, well, no, we're just doing it this way. And anyways, I feel like I'm kind of going all over the place, but um, it, it, the undoing has has been almost probably as painful as probably the doing up was, except that the difference is when I was in the phase of trying to become small enough to make this small, strict, stringent God and all the people that spoke for God in my mind, pleased with me. And I'm a terrible people pleaser. Like I was horrible at it, but oh, did I ever try. Like if you've met me for five minutes, you'd know that being small and quiet is just not in the DNA. But literally, I spent so many years trying to do that. Anyway, so the undoing is difficult because it requires you to do grief work and to do internal ego work and, you know, to deal with all of these lies and beliefs that have become really part of your identity and so the undoing can be painful. And I think this deconstruction or dismantling or renovating process that so many of us are in, sometimes we stop engaging with it because it hurts as much to undo as it did to do damage in the first place. Because we have to grieve. We have to let those things out of our system so that we can, letting go of fear can be painful. But the difference between grabbing onto fear to make yourself small or proper or righteous and letting go of fear and processing the pain and the hurt that might be attached to it is that the other side of it is freedom. The other side of it is that God's so spacious and so big, we can't contain it. And it's, and it's like in Matthew 5 where it says, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people up to open up to God. I think we can read that either like, well, I need to get you to open up. Like, I'm going to tell you what I think God is like, instead of posturing myself in a place to, God, I'm open to see where you are active in people that I have not even thought of as a possibility. And I think, I think that's, that's, yeah. Sorry, I think that's I really vital. And I've seen that play out a couple of times in my own life, like, um, really in unexpected ways. I have a friend who moved to Dubai a couple years ago, um, her and her family, and 
when she was visiting this last time, she was talking about hospitality and generosity in a way I've never known her to talk about them before. She is a champion of her people. So if you're one of her people, you're fiercely loved and protected and she would do anything for you. But moving to Dubai and learning from Arab Muslim people the gift of hospitality mm. and having mm. a generous spirit mm-hmm. has changed her her perception, her dialogue on these things in a really noticeable way. And what I love is that while her churchy church friends were terrified that she was moving to a Muslim nation and taking her kids there, mm-hmm. what my friend has done is recognize the beauty around her and absorbed that expression of God and that reality of who God is to the people that she's living in community with. And that in turn has affected me and, and has made me, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I thought, how, what am I missing from other cultures? Like what expression of God am I missing from other cultures by not having friends or entering conversations or showing up to open places? Because what I've learned from showing up in my own cultural spaces about God is profound and has been life-changing for me. Um, going to powwow and seeing what community looks like. Yeah. And the joy of coming together. You know, the Bible talks about there's a joy in entering the house of the Lord. And yet we all get up on Sunday morning, groggy and tired, and we force ourselves into uncomfortable clothes. We slick down our kids' hair. We bicker on the way to church because nobody's cooperating. We can't find the shoes and I don't want to go to Sunday school. And what if someone gets their parking spot and I can't get it? <laughs> like, so we show up a bundle of nerves and irritation. We walk into the church service and we have a thousand thoughts. Some of them good, some of them not. But I can say that very rarely have I felt that joy of the Lord walking into the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. The same way I have felt the joy of the creator walking into a powwow circle mm-hmm. because we come as we are, we bring enough for other people and we greet people with dignity and joy, regardless of whether we know them or not. Yeah. And that's a different sense of community than I've experienced at church. Maybe I'm the only one who has a rough time on Sunday morning. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes my rough time on Sunday morning is because I feel a weight of obligation to become enter in in a visibly righteous way right set up by rules or rules and parameters that really god doesn't care about he is more of a come as you are god than a here's the dress code god and i think that you know as we begin to have more of these conversations and we're willing to look at the things that we used to believe are true and re-examine them mm-hmm. we even in that sort of internal relationship we see a different version of god and i think what you said before is super important that we give ourselves time and permission and space to grieve what we used to believe and who we used to be Mm -hmm. that person wasn't a bad person they just were doing the best they knew with what they had and it's okay that we grow from that person because when i look back at my pictures of younger self she would be so relieved to know that this is what was coming. That there yes. was, that 
there would be less fear and there would be more openness and more margin for error and it being okay because she was fairly tightly wound and bound yeah to this narrow way and so i think she would be proud of me even when i don't feel proud of myself sometimes and i certainly do i look back at things i used to believe to be true and the way i communicated or things i allowed even as little as a year ago and i my instant reaction is to feel ashamed but there is no shame and there is no shame in jesus so if we're willing to grow we can grieve what's happened, but we don't have to live with the shame of who we used to yeah, be. We can that's good. move and grow into what's next because I guarantee in five years, there could be the temptation to be ashamed of who I am now. Yeah. Because the growth keeps happening. Yeah. We should never pick up shame where we're growing. Like, and, and but when, again, it comes, it comes back to letting go of this idea that we're supposed to have everything all figured out in order to be right with God. And instead, what if we could celebrate, oh, I'm still growing, which means I'm still being transformed into the likeness of God. Like that is exciting. And I think sometimes it it is almost the difference of perspective. Like you hear Olympic athletes talking about their feelings before they go and do their sportsing and um you're so sporty yeah i am um but the difference between me feeling nervous heading down a ski slope and an olympic athlete feeling excited is perspective we both have this bundle of energy in our gut that's like bah and i'm going that's fear and they're going this is going to be awesome. That's my like energy to get me to do this thing. And I think if we can start going that feeling that, that feels we've been told like, that's our fear conditioning. What if we're like, this is an invitation from God to let go of fear and find out what freedom looks like. I think that's good news. And that is, and that's, that freedom brings another point of view of God. This summer, my family, um, we were back a couple of times. And one of the times, we have been going to back once a year at least for 20 years. Like, it is our town, and we love it. And our heart is there. But one time we took this last trip, we took a different turn, and we ended up somewhere we had never been before on a mountain that was familiar to us from the other side. Uh-huh. And so we were on this mountain and we, and we start walking around and I'm like, this is where, what we've always known, but from a totally different perspective. And isn't it beautiful? Like, isn't seeing this familiar sight from a different point of view, breathtaking. And I think that that's what this journey of God is about. When we start being willing to see God reflected in people who are so different from us, we yeah. get a totally different, breathtaking view of who God is. Still the same God, still the same creator, still the same all of those names that we've learned and studied and known, but from a different viewpoint yeah. that can totally rock our world and give us the freedom to keep exploring 
who he is. Mm -hmm. And so I love that idea of the invitation of, of intentionally stepping into something different to learn. And maybe that looks like showing up in a different denomination or a different type of service or going to a powwow or um, in our city, we have open um, doors open for mosques going in and they will share a meal with you. We've done most of these things because what we see is we are all image bearers of the creator, not just those who line up with me theologically, but every human created mm -hmm. from the beginning of time to this moment is an image bearer of God. And so I can learn more about him through encountering diverse friendships, relationships, and experiences. And other people can learn more about him through encountering me. And so maybe our challenge and our invitation this week is show up somewhere totally that different, that freaks the heck out of you and lean in and be afraid, but do it anyway. Mm -hmm. and look at where God already is and maybe you'll get a different viewpoint of him. Thanks for listening. To continue the conversation and help grow the We Should Record This community, head over to our website at www.weshouldrecordthis.com where you can share and subscribe to the podcast or sign up for our newsletter. There we're going to share resources, articles, and ideas that will help you to keep these conversations going. You can also find us at We Should Record This on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.